hard, driving on, keeping the ball alive. Doggy Vier is almost like a back row forward. And great stuff there by Doddy Weir, who, uh, when he goes like that, he's like a mad giraffe, but he's got great skills. Welcome to our very first Doddcast, brought to you by our friends at Aberdeen Standard Investments and my name's Doddy Foundation and Doddy Weir and Kenny Logan. We are sitting here in Edinburgh the day after our Christmas lunch. And Jill Douglas. Uh, and me, Jill Douglas. There Don't we are. Yes, sorry, I forgot about me. Um, we're, it's the day after our Christmas lunch. So the Doddy Foundation lunch was yesterday, our trustees meeting, and we scheduled it on the eve of our first ever Doddcast. What were we thinking, Doddy? Well, I think I've weathered the storm better than you and Kenny by looking at you there, Jill. But yeah, what were we thinking? Good at the time. Everyone was together. Great party. Gauchos looked after us exceedingly well. No great misdemeanours, uh, but feeling not the freshest this morning. <laughs> Kenny? Um, I was totally... I can't remember what I think, to be honest. <laughs> but Kenny, it was good to see that you... you during your rugby career, you, you struggled to catch the old ball, and last night you dropped a pint glass as well. Um, this is our first Doddcast, and we're going to be doing a series of these because we thought it would be fun to share some memories, uh, some of the, the, the great times Doddy had on the rugby field, stories about his life, his friends, but also just share some of his experience since he was diagnosed with motor neuron disease, which is coming up for, for three years, isn't it, Dodd, since you had that diagnosis? It was Christmas 2016. Yeah, it'd been a bit of a journey. It'd been very lucky, Jill, as you say, because other patients with MND haven't been so lucky because, as we know and we spoke about before, the average life expectancy of someone with MND is between one and three years. So to me, to be living after three years after diagnosis, don't know why, don't know how, got a rough idea. Last night could be an indication and today could be an indication as well, but we're not allowed to say that. But it's been a bit of a, I don't know, quite a frustrating journey in some ways, but quite an un unbelievable journey in a lot of other, because the support and generosity that we've received on the way has just been truly, truly humbling. How are you? You, you're still walking, you're still, as, I love the way that JJ and Finn always say, you're strong in your legs, strong in your legs, but, you know, tell us how you are. Because you never have said that when you played rugby, would you? You're strong in your legs. <laughs> I remember we didn't work that well today as well. I, sometimes I've got to remember I have MND and that's the biggest issue that I have. So when I go and I have a, a couple of beers, but I've got to remember that I wasn't the able body that I used to be. So when I'm walking and one thing or another, I've got to just be aware and concentrate where I'm going. An example on the way here, uh, I've got a good friend, Gary Armstrong, who's been truly amazing uh, looking after me. So coming up the steps, he did say, we'll use the lift. But me being who I am, said, no, we're going to use the stairs. And I clipped one of the stairs and coped. <laughs> And everyone, I don't know why you're laughing. It's not funny. But luckily, guy's here because he's quite strong. I didn't need any crane. He just picked me up, put me on. Right, get on now. We'll use the lift the next time. But everyone around the boat kind of thought I was maybe taking too many beers, which is not quite the case at nine o'clock in the morning. So as I say, I've just got to remember that where I am, I'm very fortunate that I can pretty much do everything, maybe apart from running what I didn't really do very much in the rugby anyway before. So eating's well, speaking's well, drinking's well, still driving, still walking, still enjoying things. So no complaints. Joe? He's certainly got plenty of energy, Kenny. He's got loads of energy. And I think um, that's the sort of most inspirational thing you can take from him because he's, 
you know, he's going through something that none of us can actually even think about. And the strength he's got as an individual has, has been too, truly amazing. I think that's why everybody wants to support him because I know Doddy wants to try and find a cure or find something that stops it. And everybody around him wants to help. And I think just seeing him today again, I haven't seen him for a couple of months. And yesterday, just a great day. We had a great day, didn't it? It was great to see some old faces, but it's great to see Doddy's energy. I think that just lifts you even more. JJ and, and Finley were with us yesterday, old teammates as well. I think JJ even bought a drink at one point. No, no it was an accident. <laughs> the one thing, as you say, that's happened is people have rallied around Doddy and want to help him with this uh, foundation and his drive and determination to make a difference, to find something that will help people that are given this most awful diagnosis. Um, there is nothing, uh, which is the whole reason for the foundation. And as the series goes on, so our, our Doddcast, we're going to look at different aspects of, of Doddy's life and one of which will be MND because it doesn't define you. That's not the only thing that's happening in your life, but we will talk about that. We'll talk about the work of the foundation. We'll talk about Kenny's involvement and the people that have come together, uh, myself included, with JJ, Finlay, Gary, Kathy, your wife, and Scott Hastings, I should also say our chairman, who are determined to support you in what you're trying to do. Because the one thing I, I, that has being absolutely clear from the minute you're diagnosed is this positive attitude. And that, I think, is what makes the difference for you. It does, definitely. And that's what we're trying to get across to people, that there's things happening. So if we go back maybe three years ago, probably a year prior to that, you think you're okay. And I say this, professional sportsmen used to be, the business going well, selling sewage tanks. You're sort of looking for the future, for the retirement. And one day you wake up with your skin twitching and your left hand not as strong as it was. And you kind of go, oops, what's this? It just literally happened one day. Um, yeah, the, the the strength on the hand started. I thought I'd gone and locked my hand in the door on the farm, squashed it and thought, oh, I've broken a bone. So I thought, oh, I'll be okay because being a farming boy, I'm thinking by Monday you'll be fine. Three months later, it was still, there was no power on it. And when it got cold, it was even worse. And then the twitching of the skin probably happened about three months after the original uh, loss of strength on the hand. And then you do the dreaded Google. So you Googled it? Yeah. At that point, did you have... Serious misgivings, did you think this is probably a little bit more serious than I thought? Nothing whatsoever. No, I just thought it was one of these little things. As I say, I banged it in the door. Uh, I thought the twitching was just something not what I would ever expect so you, you it to be. You didn't go to the doctors? Not at the time, no, I just Googled it. Because it wasn't sore, it wasn't causing me any problem. My hand got, when it got cold, it was a lot worse. So it wasn't causing me really any harm. And uh, as I say, when I was maybe trying to pass a rugby ball with the kids, the strength wouldn't be there on the left hand end. And that's why the old enemy dinner, if you remember, when I was passing the cube around, I didn't quite get the distance and it smashed into someone's table (laughs) and spilt wine over everyone. That was really when it was all happening. So I had an idea what was going on then and didn't really tell anyone. So when you Googled, the two symptoms uh, pretty much comes up straight away, MND. What did you know about MND at that point? Because obviously we knew Eust, Eust van der Vesthazen, um, the South African player who sadly died of motor neuron disease and, and he travelled the world looking looking for a cure. And also Tom Elliott, who is an old farmer, old rugby player from the 1950s. He toured with the British and Irish Lions. His family are close friends of ours down in the borders, a farming family. But old Tom, he died of motor neuron disease, but he was old, he was much older when he was diagnosed. He was in his 70s. Didn't know an awful lot, Jill, you're correct. Didn't realise that Tom had it until I got diagnosed as well. Didn't know an awful lot at all. Did see Ewan McDonald at Murrayfield along with used And in my eyes, they weren't very well, um, but still had a positive mind, so 
But when you get given the diagnosis of something like that, and again, it took maybe six months to diagnose. So many tests to go through. And some of them were quite horrific. Uh, go through a, a brain scan, <laughs> and they couldn't find anything. I'm just laughing at you because you might have a similar yeah, issue. Really funny, do they? Carry on. <laughs> well, talk, so anyway, the tests, talk, you go through... We're talking about a light there. thing about you being You've got to go for lumbar brain pressure st- as well. Brain, brain scan. Well, brain scan, and they go through a lot of different tests to rule them out. So the brain scan couldn't find anything of an issue. Lumbar puncture was the most horrific thing ever to try and take some liquid out of your spine to see what's going on. Again, if that's clear, you go for shock therapy to see how your muscles are contracting, which the wife thought was quite funny when my body was bouncing up and down. Numerous blood tests and one thing and another. But you knew uh, before that, didn't you? In your heart? Well, in, in, yeah. And I think this is where the sport comes in, Kenny. Everyone has a different sort of attitude. And I always put myself down in a game of sports. So I always thought the worst. So thinking in the next game, I will not be selected. So if I was, it was, ah, yes. Great encouragement, well done. And if I wasn't, I expected, so I wasn't that upset. So I knew in my heart that this is probably what I had. But then the, the journey was in such a way that you think you've got MND, terminal issue, you read all about that. But there's things out there that can help. And that's been the frustrating thing. So when I got diagnosed three years ago, I had an idea, so I just took it on the chin, right, that's it. We'll get into some treatment away we go where my good lady Cathy didn't. She thought something different and was all along thinking that I wouldn't have MND. So when she got told officially, she reacted in a different manner, so quite emotional. It's, it's quite important when you think about you. We, we always go, how are you getting on? But you sometimes forget about Cathy and the kids and you... How's Doddy? But how how is you know Kathy and the kids? That's obviously a huge thing to for them to live with and understand. It is, and I think what this dogcast is going to do, we're going to go and hopefully speak to Kathy, my friends, Gary, who's been in it from the start as well, and Carl Hogg, your lovely husband, all been very supportive to see what their thoughts are, what's going through their mind, because. I'm the one with it, but I think, as you mentioned, Kenny, it affects a lot of other people. And once we got diagnosed, what what was difficult as well, my mum got diagnosed with cancer at the same time. And she was maybe said that she wouldn't be there that Christmas. So Cathy and I kept it quiet and started telling friends in January what was going on. And that was quite an emotional statement because your professor with MND, if you're sitting there, you get told you got MND, ask the sort of questions, how long, what's going on, what can be done? Nothing could be done because, as you mentioned, with Tom Elliott and a few others, such a long time ago they passed away. Nothing, there's no drug on the table that anyone with MND can get a hold of. There's no solution, not one solution. There's a drug called Viluzol that came out 25 years ago that extends your life for three months and a lot of patients are on it because it can affect your liver. So I asked my consultant, what's the story? How long have we got? And he said, you will will not be walking into my surgery in a year's time. You'll be able to come in a wheelchair. So if someone quite active and got some young kids who you want to spend time with, that was quite a worry. Well, there's nothing you can do to solve it, but then you yourself, your memories, you think you're fine, you think you're okay, and all of a sudden you might not be living in a year. And that was quite a hard part to get over. You say Cathy took it very badly, as you would, and, and the boys, but still you've got to live day to day and you've got to get on with it. So... You know, and I, I noticed that with the boys, they're very um, pragmatic in the way that they get on with their lives. So there's Hamish, who's the oldest. Hamish is 18, 
and Angus is 17, just started driving. And we've got young Ben, who's 15. And they're big laddies, uh, all playing a bit of rugby. And they're, they're big lads. They're big fellas, aren't they? But they're they're amazing, like Hamish particularly, I think. And we'll, we'll talk to the boys as we go through the, the, the series and, and we'll hear how they're handling it. But Hamish particularly, you know, we see a lot of Hamish and uh, he's he's been fantastic. You know, he's stepped in on a few occasions and represented you at different things. And we all saw them, of course, uh, when we launched the foundation and you walked out on Murrayfield in 2017. Well, that was quite a monumental and quite an emotional mm. time because the support that... Kenny, your dinner was amazing down London as well. But to spend time with the kids and the Scottish Rugby Union and Welsh Rugby Union, all rugby unions being supportive, that was quite a big time for ourselves because I mentioned I didn't know how long we had to live. So it could have been 12 months. So that when the team yourself got this organised, it was quite a big memory for, for myself, quite a big day for the kids and I to be involved in Murrayfield. But then I thought, right, how are we going to do this? Because in life, we've got to do something different. Are we going to walk out with the ball? Are we going to pass it to each other? Are we going to kick it to each other? And Gregor Townsend was great. He said, look, big man, you're quite prone to drop a lot of balls. There have been. So just keep a hold of it over here. So he met me in the tunnel and it was quite an emotional because everybody knew what was going on. So we did that. But again, I was thinking of my kid's story what can I do? Are we all going to go and walk to the centre of the field? And I said, no, what I'll do is walk to the 15-yard line. We'll leave the kids there and I'll walk on, which was quite because, again, not sure how long I was going to live for. That would maybe happen. So in my mind, that's what I thought we'd do. And the boys in the middle were brilliant. John Bartley was saying, thank you very much. Good luck. Kieran Reid was the same. Bowden Barrett came across and I thought he was going to shake my hand and say, good luck. He says, Give the ball, mate, and we'll start the game. <laughs> you know what these youngsters are like. So then on the way back, we picked the kids up. But when I see that, I see the emotional sort of side of what we did. It's very emotional to watch that um, when you walked out, especially when you did stop, the kids stopped and you went on. It was tear-jerking. The atmosphere in the stadium, I was there with Johnny, my son, who's Doddy's uh, godson. And, you know, I took him up for the match. He's a... But I have to say this, he's a big All Blacks fan. He's a, you know, his cousins are Kiwis and, you know, it was a big day for us to go to the match and to see you come out with the boys. And I stopped and looked around the stadium and, I, you know, it's quite emotional now thinking about it, just to look around and see the, the reaction of people was was phenomenal. And now, we, you know, when we see it again, Johnny and I talk about the moment he says, oh, mum, you were crying, you know, everybody was crying. But also, <laughs> I said to my son, what do you remember most about that day? He'd say, do you remember later on we were in the hotel and I met Bowden Barrett? <laughs> and he got his photograph taken with Bowden Barrett and he met the All Blacks and he was very excited. Uh, but it was, you know, and, and you, you talk about the, the reaction of people and the reaction of your friends, you know, we talk about how it's affected Cathy and your close friends. I mean, Kenny, you and I, when you shared your news in, the, in that January, I was on a train up to, to Stockport. I was working and Carl, my husband, phoned me three times to tell me he couldn't speak on the phone. Kenny phoned me probably just quite soon afterwards and similarly just said it's um, Kenny and, and didn't speak. We just didn't speak, did we? No, we um, just... um, it's quite emotional talking about it now, actually, but um, and talking to, listening to the All Blacks walking out. I, I, I'll never forget, I was in a car coming back from uh, an event in, in Wales and he phoned me up and I started crying and he put the phone down. And I tried to get back to him, he was trying to get back to me and he said, stop being a dick. I've got M&D, not you. I just, I couldn't, I actually couldn't process it in my head how, how he, because I had known Eust and Jerry Cunningham, who was at London, who was at London Irish, who came to Wasps and he had M&D and he sadly passed away very, very quickly. So I knew what M&D was about and Doddy is telling me and he, I knew that he knew. 
So he didn't have to say what's what, what's the story, what happened, and I'll never forget. And I probably cried for an hour because he's a good mate of mine. What was he like as a player then, Kenny? Because you've known him a long time. Mm. Let's let's. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, you, might, you might say the wrong things <laughs> gonna, here. I didn't move uh, on because we, it, was, it, was, it was a bit lanky, to be fair. <laughs> right? The, the, I'll tell you, one of the biggest memories I've got is um, Scotland Wales game when they, they kicked a long kick into the twenty-two. And Gavin Hastings caught it. And normally Gavin would kick it out. But Gavin just passed it. And he passed it to Doddy. He was in the middle of the pitch on the 22. And I'm running back going, oh my God, what is he going to do? He then passed it to me. And obviously the rest was history <laughs> after that. I ended up scoring a try in the corner. I, I, did, Eric I must have been Eric score. Peters scored. Yeah, he yeah. did score. But I remember... Um, the right thing of that, Kenny, if you remember, because like, I tried this Try the decade. It was. I did all the work. No, you never. <laughs> I had to beat about 10 people. Eric Peters just had to walk over the line. Did you, kick the, kid, did you kick the conversion, Kenny? Uh, I wasn't kicking in those days. I wasn't allowed to. <laughs> but the annoying thing was that, going back and that, it was quite funny because it's quite iconic. I think that's where the handoff to choose for a foundation. That's right, yeah. um, Eric Peters did go and score. And he won a thousand pounds for try of the year and didn't even share it with us, no, did he? We did all the work. Yeah. I mean, Doddy yeah. had to pass the ball, fairness. Flopped over. Um, but, you know, I, I think growing up, is, so I've, I've known Doddy since I was maybe 14, 15 years old. And, you know, he was so tall. He was always a big lad. He wasn't the biggest, as in massive Kenny was muscles. always one of the showmen with all the posh gear, the <laughs> fast cars. It's only because you can fit in any of it. The trousers you had to Because you were at so obviously Stirling County. Dodd was at Melrose. Like, I've known Doddy since we were early teens. And uh, Kenny, you were at Stirling, yeah. and we saw you with a succession of beautiful girlfriends as you were growing up. And you hit the lo- you won the lottery when you met Gary. Definitely. She definitely has. <laughs> but you were <laughs> farmer's boys, but, yeah. you, you know... Rugby was, you know, what brought you together, wasn't it? Right from a very young yeah, age. Yeah, I mean, I think the beauty about the game of rugby is you, we played against each other and, you, you know, Doddy would... I mean, I, I was funny watching his Ben the other, this summer and he came out with a headband on, number five in his back. And, and every time he went in the ruck, his, his elbow was just a bit wider to clip somebody. And that's the way Doddy was. He was a physical bloke and he always his elbows were always in a place that he, he knew he was around you. He hit you in a way, and he always let you know that you may have got the ball away, but I'm still going to hit you. And, and, and during the farmer's day, the farmer day, you know, obviously we're both farmer boys, but at the same time, you came together what, playing rugby. Uh, after the game, you chatted, you, you got to know each other, and we just clicked really well. And I, I think, sadly, maybe it's different now the days that I think the, the game, they don't as much come together after the game and spend a lot of, a lot of time together after the game. And travelling down to Melrose made us a great rival because they were winning the league most of the time and we were the ones trying to beat them and which we did do a couple of times. I don't I think, think it was, so. We well, did. It Remember like, the time I think it was that one time? Yeah. yeah. It's it's like one time. time. Let's give us a bit of respect to Stanley County for a second. But oh, we, you know, we had a good rivalry but I think when you start playing for your country together and, I, and I'll, I'll never forget I think it was 1990 watching him and he was probably somebody that I knew who then got in the Scotland team if you know what I mean. I was young and what, I was maybe a year younger than Doddy so he was close to me and I could see him playing there and it inspires you to think, I want to be that kid. And and actually two years later, when I was about 19, I was that kid. And I look back now and think, who was the people that you looked at? I mean, you looked at the Gavin Hastings, the Andy Evans and, and Gaza, but he was a person I knew and you could speak to. So, you, I mean, in those days, Gavin Hastings and, and all these other guys, they did speak to you, but they didn't speak to you like Doddy did because he, he felt more of a mate. So I, I suppose 
you saw him doing it and that inspired me to, to say, right, well, I want to get that. I want to have that feeling that he's got. I think as well, Jill, the, the system, the way that rugby was played in olden days, just with the club rugby, then you went to district rugby and international rugby and Kenny and I followed the, the suit there was great. So every weekend on the social side of things, rugby clubs would be heaving till nine, ten o'clock at night where nowadays I think they're finished. Five six. Now with us, we we did spend a lot of time playing against each other, and yes, Stirling ruined their party. I think in '95. A couple of times we George, were winning. We were winning it was '95. It was '95. They won '92, '93, '94. Lost '95. Stirling County won '96, '97. Melrose still not won as many. By can I just make this one little point? I don't think Melrose have won as many championships as Hoyk. But not that many recently, though, unfortunately. Lot of rugby is struggling. The game is struggling. The social side of things is struggling. The players don't have the same friendships. I don't think we had. It was good fun. The bonding was generally social, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. And still to this day, enjoy the social side of things. But as I say, I've just got to watch that I have an issue, and I've got my carer Gary Armstrong to hold me up if required. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the train last night with the after you left our. Christmas lunch with JJ and, and Gary escorting you down to the borders yes, on the borders railway. Yes, it was amazing for a lot of ways and it brought back the rugby days. So we all got round to the table. Just imagine if we were only drinking sparkling water, we wouldn't have got the same sort of banter. Stuart Weir, who's involved in our trustees, does a great job, got some drumming sticks for somewhere and started drumming the wine pots, if you remember as well. How good was he? He was very good. I mean, he was never telling. No, no, definitely. Jill Douglas was showing her karaoke, which she did in Tokyo. And on the train on the way home with Gary, it was quite interesting. He went for a wee diddle on the, on the electronic doors and the door didn't open. And we <laughs> thought he was away doing number two maybe for quite a long time because it took him a long time. He eventually had to phone my good lady to kind of open the door to let him out. <laughs> And Annie did, did it was just like the funny show. Gary was in front of old maid. JJ was buying because I get a wee bit wobbly in the train. <laughs> and I do with the wine. And they forgot. And I went out the side door, went left <laughs> and fell over. Uh, the thing is, we but forget was, because your arms are not good. Your arms and no. your hands are not good. You can't lift your arms up. So you're restricted in your movement. And I'd kind of forgotten that in the golf buggy. We were at one of our uh, golf days. And I was driving the golf buggy and Doddy was directing me going, go up there, go up there. At least you go up there. And I'm like, ah, it looks a bit steep. Go up there, go up there. And at one point I turned the golf buggy around really quickly. And of course he can't hold on. So he, he can't <laughs> hold, he's just like out the side. And I grabbed him and pulled him back. And we were crying, laughing. Could have been an incident, yeah. It could have been an incident. We do. Because when you fall, people forget you, you, your first instinct is put your hands up. But when you fall, it must just be like, well, I can't, my hands in my pockets, and that's been an issue. Again, talking about, I've got to remember, I've got M&D on holiday about two months ago in Mallorca. Got there, two minutes, ate a bit of toast and badly choked. I think because my good lady didn't spread the butter to the sides. <laughs> but, uh, I love the fact that Cathy is getting the blame <laughs> for that. Um, but that was quite a major incident, because again, with M&D, it's, it's an issue. And then just recently, we came back from a party, I tried to shut the, the car door with my bahuki. The bum, you know, the bum. Bahuki, yeah. And then I lost my legs and fell back and smashed my head. But luckily Gary came round the corner again, <laughs> saw me on the ground. Thank God for Gary, eh? Oh, he's been a bit of a safe hand, there's no I, doubt. I have to say, for all it, you're blaming Cathy for the bit of toast that didn't have enough butter spread in it, what did Cathy do when you choked? 
I think it was the end of the holiday. It might be different, but she saved me. <laughs> she saved you because no, she, she did. She she battered me on the back and uh, got the bit of toast to, to dislodge. But it was quite painful thereafter. And I think that's something we're going to go and talk about these little issues that's happened to myself. That's going to happen to other people. Again, I'm very fortunate, Jill. Most amazing team, Doctor Annabel Howell, looks after my personal welfare. We're able to phone her now. Again, I'm lucky being in Mallorca to have that contact. So she was giving me an idea what to do, and one of them was to eat butter, a spoonful try, of butter, a spoonful yeah. of butter to try and dislodge to see it was away, which wasn't very nice. But just with advice like that, which is just amazing. So, so I was trying to put the experiences and on. We get a lot of um, people contact us who've got family members with MND or people who suffer from MND asking about some of the, the not treatments, there are no treatments, but you do take steps. You know, you, you have regular physiotherapy, chiropractic uh, care. You go in the pool, you you go to the gym, various things. We'll talk about those in a, in a different um, well, but episode. I, but I think it's, say, it's there's good a lot to of share. reasons why that, and we'll, as we can talk about that. But that's where I mentioned at the beginning of the program the frustration. That when you get diagnosed, you basically say, There's your care nurse who'll look after you, right? Cheerio, go away. And that's really the last point of contact I've had for the professor to try and advise and help. This might help. So, everyone, I think it might be wrong, and it'd be great to hear from people. Um, just Go on the website and email you, Jill, just to see um, to see what their thoughts are. Because I was told that's it. So you go home and you've got a self cure. Call it. So you go on the Google and have a look to see what advice and what help is out there. And there's very little. And you think you should get it from the from the medical institute to to try and help. So everyone self cure. And that's where when I went home, vet nervous about. Look, there's nothing that's going to help me. So phoned up. I used Van der foundation, spoke to his brother, who was very helpful. And as you mentioned, he said they spent millions flying used around the world to try and find a cure. Nothing worked apart from his positive mental attitude. And that's what I've kind of taken on. And I think that's where the rugby as well. And they say this, and you probably, same kind of, if you lose your jersey, say you get dropped, you've got two ways of one, give in. Or the other way, I'm going to fight and get it back. And with me giving in, it's just sitting doing nothing. Or, right, there's an issue here. We've got a problem, so let's find a solution. A solution is to see if we can get uh, a drug or something to try and help people. I mean, you are very positive, <clears throat> and, and you know you've always got a smile on your face, and you know it's, it is remarkable. Do you have dark times though? Uh, not really. Just annoying times. Frustrating, not never a dark time because again I'm quite lucky and fortunate for the last three years. Still pretty flexible, still about, still walk this year today, and you watch the steps, one thing and another, and uh, still doing a lot because I'm not really an alone M and D to affect me, and I think that's my attitude to that now. My neurologist said maybe 18 months ago I should get a peg, which is I remember like that. a feeding tube into your tummy. And mm. I said, no, it's not going to happen. Because once I do something like that, I'm allowing MND to control my life. And the same with the sleep with the gas on. I said, no, I'll use it when I need it. The same with time with shoelaces. Instead of giving in, I've got rubber shoelaces now. So just little things like that keep me positive. The annoying thing is on the farm, I can't do as much as I would like. But again, not allowing it to control my life so I'm still driving a tractor albeit I might have to get the kids I'm a good lady Cathy who's been superb to put the implement on the back or Gary again <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get Gary on the uh, one of our programs we're going to hear the real story do you, do you ever think about 
um, I suppose when you first got diagnosed and you, what I'm going to be like in a year, because obviously the professor said to you, and, and you're positive, you're so positive. And MD, who I know, and if you look at what, how Doddy talks about MD and how, how he thinks he's lucky, the fact that he's still here and still walking. But do you think about six months' time, a year's time at all? I don't, Kenny. I, I take, and it's a good question because a lot of people ask that now, and I think that I take every day as it comes, and then the weeks and months look after themselves. So I'm here and trying to be focused and doing things as often as I can. And yeah, I've seen the, the end of the tunnel, like you, we talk about you and McDonald, who's been living with the issue for 16 years, I think. Now he is only able to, to speak with his eyes. and He's a full-time carer. Um, so you can see what's happening at the end of that tunnel. I don't really want to get there. And we can talk about that in another program. But no, not really. Because again, I'm quite lucky as I say this. Still pretty flexible what I do. I know what's going on. And I don't want to allow MND to affect my, my life as much as other people. Because the only drug we've got is positive thinking. So if it's causing a problem, let's find a solution. So we've got a solution of our stack cups, for example, because drinking a pint's quite tricky. So we've got a stack cup with a handle, like a Tommy Tippy mug with a handle that I use now so I can still drink a pint on my own. I've got to remember when I'm drinking wine, it's a pint of wine and not a, a beer. <laughs> Tell you what, you can help. drink a pint, all right. Yeah. <laughs> There's no question. It's funny, actually, I've heard a couple of times people say, Doddy seems to drink, you know, he's still drinking pints of Guinness. Should he drink as much? I think, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. What is the you know what is the worst that can happen? Yeah, soon, I think but Guinness that, has been good for you, hasn't it? You, you said to that, me, yeah. a pint of Guinness actually is well, been... Whoever in Guinness, we're looking for a sponsorship from Guinness. But <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got it. <laughs> Uh, it's certainly been very helpful, whatever it may be in that. And it's very true. I think if you keep a positive attitude, um, you go out and do things and just enjoy yourself. And I think that's why I'm possibly still here because the foundation's been amazing. The support's been unbelievable. It, it's keeping me active, keeping me thinking. So I'm not sitting at home thinking about MND, thinking that it's affecting me. I'm getting out and about. And I think, thanks to everyone, that's why I possibly where I am. Certainly getting out and about. As you always say, I've never been invited to so many parties. <laughs> and uh, you've been at the palace twice. Doddy Weir, O-B-E. Jesus. What about that? Have you not got one of them yet? <laughs> <laughs> not that bothered. Um... <laughs> But you know, it's Just, fantastic. Talk, talk I, I take it Gary's got one too, is he? Gary has. Guys have probably got an OBE. It's quite annoying, really, and I shouldn't be saying this, but I'll, at one stage I was thinking, well, shall I accept it? Shall I not? It's a great honour, don't, don't, on a, on a kind of funny way, because we teasing Gary in my after dinner speech, is all he got, he got his for, catch and give, catch and give. <laughs> off the line, that's what he did, got an OBE. But now, since I've got one as well, I can't use that line. Which leads me nicely on to what we're doing later on today. So we're going to, funnily enough, Gaucho. I'm surprised they let us back in after yesterday's fiasco. But um, we're going because we've got a 1999 Scotland Championship reunion lunch. And the reason I'm, that comes to mind is uh, Gregor Townsend got an MBE that year for scoring a try in every one of the matches. So he'll be there and you look forward to it. I am and yeah, it's very much to catch up with the boys because some of the boys are coming from New Zealand. The Leslie boys are coming over. Snowy, Mr. Metcalf's coming over so it'll be good to catch up. And if I can say again, I don't know how you're going to take this, but in a nice way, the last three years has been fantastic. It's like having a living wake 
And the nice way though, that we might say that though, but that's why I look at that again quite lucky that I've been given three years to go and enjoy. I go and meet a lot of people, take time out to go and have a coffee that you wouldn't normally do. So it's given me a bit of a wake up call. And if I can say that to other people, you just don't know what's around the corner. So live life at the moment and, and do something you didn't do yesterday. Because um, you lost your brother-in-law very suddenly, Kathy's sister's husband died very suddenly. I lost my brother-in-law very quickly. Mm -hmm. They didn't have the time to do the things, to spend time with the people that they loved and cared about. They went very quickly. And I think you're right, in a way, you know, you talk about it being a living wake. It has given you an opportunity to to spend time with people that are important to you and to do things that you wanted to do. One of which was, of course, going the Lions tour to New Zealand. And we have got big plans for 2021, haven't we? Yeah, I look forward to that. But another positive side of things about the journey we're on, Brian Kennedy, who we know used to be the owner of Sale, again, the support he flew myself and Cathy out to New York to see the American side, what they're doing. And they're very positive out there. And what came back from that, and I don't know why it didn't come from the UK side, is that the boys out there said, I've got a slow progressing MND. Now, that was the first time that somebody sort of said, look, this is maybe what you've got. And with that in mind, it does help you a little bit. Whereas the, the professionals over here are quite frustrating, as they say, they've never been on the phone, never been in touch, which is quite annoying in some ways. But my... My own team has just been truly amazing, truly supportive. And I think it's different for wherever you are in the country when you're diagnosed. It depends who your professor is. It depends who your neurologist is. Everybody has a different experience after their diagnosis. And I think that's one of the frustrating things. So one of the things we'll talk about perhaps in another episode of the the Dodcast uh, is patient pathway and, and trying to give people as much information about what to expect and, and what help they can look for. And I totally correct, John, it's a bit of hope. Because at the moment when you get diagnosed, there is no hope. And I think the people who give you that information don't really help you. To, they could easily come about, look, you've got this very serious issue, but there's a lot of research at the moment that's happening just on the corner. Here's some pathways, get involved with chiropractic or whatever, swimming. And it, we know that it might extend your time, but you don't get that second pathway. And then at least you go away, not buzzing, but with a bit of hope, but there's just nothing there, just no one change that. I think for me, um, a lot of people don't realise that I think it's one in 300 people get M&D. In your lifetime, you've a one in 300 chance. And six people a day are diagnosed and six people a day die with M&D. So a lot of people don't know that. And I think the more... I think more that we've been involved in it, certainly me, you do come across a lot of people and he's so inspiring because people look at Doddy and they love, you know, the rugby community has been amazing. Um, But I think what really, from my point of view, living in London, it's not just a Scottish love, it's a world love. The English clubs are helping Doddy overseas. There's a real effort to to try and find something and support him. And I think that's, the community of the game has been amazing. Um, And the support has been phenomenal. And that's been quite difficult for me to take, I have to admit. Uh, I struggle with people (laughs) being nice. And that's why... I struggle being nice to you now. (laughs) (laughs) You never are now, which is great. And and I think we'll go back to Gary quite a bit because he's played quite a bit on my life in the last few years. So again, when we mentioned to my friends, when we got it, it was a very difficult time. And quite often we had to put the phone down, give half an hour and phone back. And we did that once or twice to Gary until I finally was able to speak and say, look, got this issue and he said I've got a serious issue M&D guys he said oh my god I hope we've got your potholes in your driveway filled up and I go what what do you mean by that and he said I don't want a call from your wife to see if you've got an electric wheelchair stuck <laughs> now that 
It's not PC, but absolutely brilliant. It's what well, life's about. Kids stick too, don't they? A yeah, bit, a little bit of humour goes a long way. Well, the kids do give me a bit of stick at the moment. They they sometimes tell my hair in a way that's not very clever because I can't change it. <laughs> Is um, that what happened this morning? <laughs> the centre pattern's not very cool. <laughs> But I was into in Sainsbury's, there's other shops available as well. And um, two kids were there, so they were piling things into my basket. No, I'm fine, I couldn't get them out. And this old dear came to me, how are you doing here? I said, look, I'm getting on not too bad, but these kids are bullying me. So this girl had to go at them, this old granny had to go, which is brilliant. And again, quite funny, that's what life's about, but the kids are... Certainly been quite a strength behind it. We'll get the boys on uh, one of our programmes. I am conscious that we're heading off to our 1999 lunch. Kenny, um, who else is coming? Tell us about the, the lunch today. So we've got Glenn Metcalf, Cammy Murray, played in the wing with me, Leslie, Alan Tate. The only reason Alan Tate's coming, he wasn't going to come because he thought it was 50 quid ahead. So I told him it was free, so Tate is now coming. Um, <laughs> uh, Gregor Townsend, obviously Gary Armstrong, who's the captain at the time. Um, Doddy, uh, Paul Burnell. Jim uh, Telfer, I believe. Jim, Jim Telfer's right? coming, John Rutherford. Arthur Hasty was the manager at the time. Um, sadly, Tom Smith not going to be with us. Uh, we all know that he's... Um, fighting uh, cancer and uh, I think that's um, Buzz Pounty so there's only like two or three players not coming Scott Murray can't come but we've got about 99% of them and do you know what I haven't seen someone for 20 maybe 15, 16 years so it'll be quite funny just seeing them all and uh, the last game of that championship was played uh, on the well Scotland's last game was in France so I was in Paris for the match and I remember interviewing um Gregor Townsend afterwards and he was playing in Breve at the time and he said um, I said I interviewed him and it went out on the big screen in Paris but it also went obviously it was for the BBC I said what are you going to do tomorrow because England were playing Wales the following day and that would determine where the championship went where will you watch the game tomorrow and he said oh I'll be down in Breve and Stuart Grimes and his wife or girlfriend at the time are coming down for the weekend and we're going to watch it there and Grimes's wife had called in sick for her work and said she couldn't go to work because she was really really poorly and Obviously, her bosses then saw on, on TV. national TV in that she was, she was actually in France. So she was not very pleased. But on the Sunday, we had a party. Do you remember um, our house in Melrose? Carl and I um, lived in uh, Melrose at the time. And we had half the team were there uh, watching the match. And we none of us thought, none of us thought Wales would be England. Do you remember? Yeah, no, I, I watched it with Sam so Shaw. Did you invite Scott Gibbs up? I never, uh, Scott Gibbs scored the try. And Jenks, and Jenks kicked it. And yeah. I, I never, I was really funny. Gary will probably tell you it better than me, but he was interviewed and he said, What were you thinking when Scott, when Neil Jenkins was taking the kick? He went, Thank Christ, Kenny's not kicking it. <laughs> Which I thought was a bit harsh, considering I would kick quite well that season. But I watched it with Simon Shaw and he's flat. And he was cheering for Scotland because he was not in the team because he wanted to get back in the team. And I'll never forget, as soon as the whistle went, the phones just went mental. And we're all going, Right, get to the airport. And I went, Get to the airport. And I was, Glenn Metcalf, John Leslie were flying back to New Zealand they changed their flights to fly back to Scotland so we all met at the airport there was five of us we went up and we had probably a two day um, celebration celebration <laughs> but also when I went back to Oss um, two days later because Lawrence Delalio was the captain of England at the time and there was a huge thing about him should have kicked to the corner or should she take three points he didn't take three points kicked to the corner so um, I think um, Gatland no it, was, uh, it wasn't Gat Gatland just started coaching Oss and he said to me Make sure and turn up your Scotland kit. So I walked in with my Scotland kit on, Scotland hat, Scotland jersey, everything. He goes, oh, well done, Kenny. And Lawrence is fuming. <laughs> and I'm loving every second of it. And um, 
as we do the team run, everybody's going, kick to the corner, love. Oh, no. Oh, should we go for the post? Oh, I'll tell you what, let's throw the game. So he was getting a lot of stick. I did get a punch in the face in that training session from Lawrence. <laughs> not be the first time. Not be the really. first. But, um, yeah, it was a great, a great occasion. And I think, do you know what's sad, actually, now looking back? I can't believe we haven't won something proper since then. You know, Kakata Cups is fine. It's a one-off game. But, you know, you look at the team now and you think, I can't believe we've not won a trophy or won the Five Nations or Six Nations. But it, 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 you also go back and go, how hard it is to win that competition. It's not easy. And uh, it was a special group of people. And we, we clicked and it was... You know, we had a good, good crack. Um, it was a great two days. I, don't know. Well, I, I, think, I can't, I can't, I can't remember wait till this afternoon. If you're interviewing Craig Chalmers, it'd be quite good because I only played 40 minutes because I, I broke my ankle on the line out and tried to disappear. But Craig Chalmers seemingly didn't play any minutes whatsoever. No, he played no part of this winning There's a picture. The There's a picture of all the players. Um, it was done by, I can't remember who it was done by. But we've all signed it, and it's like we're going to try and auction it off today for the foundation. And um, every in it, have got a jersey on apart from Craig Chalmers. And I said, "Why has Craig Chalmers got his tracksuit on?" And somebody said, "He never took it off because he, he literally never played a minute of the of any any of that." Six we'll nations. get into him. We'll, we'll get, get into him. Because I mean, I remember on that Sunday afternoon, you saying the phone went mad. I remember the BBC phoning me saying, "We're trying to get in touch with some of the Scotland team. Do you know where any of them might be?" And I looked around the house, thinking, "There's no way a camera could come in here now." <laughs> I says, oh, I've got no idea. I'm sorry, I can't help you. Try Kenny Logan. <laughs> He'll be up for it. Um, well, we're, we're going to head off and get some lunch. Doddy, um, you looking forward to seeing the boys this afternoon? Very much, Jill, yeah. And uh, we're going to talk some more after Christmas. And as I say, we're, we're going to explore some of the different elements of your life. It's not simply about MND, but we will talk about that. And I think it's important, I think, for us to share some of the things that you've tried and, and the different experiences you've had. But also would like to try to share there's people out there as well and they've got questions. It'll be interesting to hear what their stories about to see if they've been following similar paths I have. So just get in touch with our website and, yeah, if and you, write some details in. If you go onto our website, it's uh, myname5doddy.co.uk. So myname5doddy.co.uk, but the S is a five. If you go in there, there's various ways you can get in touch. But if you did want us to, to ask Doddy anything particularly during the course of our uh, Doddcasts, we can certainly do that. Um, and a big thanks to Aberdeen Standard Investments for supporting us through our Doddcast, but particularly to Big Jim Hamilton, uh, the second greatest Ooh. second row to play for Scotland and to Tim Groves who is our wonderful producer but more importantly is the font of all knowledge and we couldn't do it without the lovely Tim and to Rugby Pass who have supported us as well by making sure everybody has access to listen to our Dodcast um, I suppose we just want to say wish everybody a, a, a Merry Christmas Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas definitely hope Santa's a good day. looking forward to seeing it spotty big man sports personality good reunion yeah yeah my kids are really looking forward to seeing we're all kids. going up to Aberdeen for sports personality yeah. all the kids everybody we're all going to be there en masse it's, it's going to be, be great good fun Doddy Weir, there they are, driving on, keeping the ball alive. When he goes like that, he's like a mad giraffe, but he's got great skills. <laughs>